Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Nintendo!
welcome to NVC for the week of September 21st. My name is Jose Otero, and I will be your host. And we are live on location in Japan in a meeting room that we probably shouldn't be in. Exactly. Everything's fine. So uh, we have an excellent show planned for you today. So guests, please introduce yourself, starting from my right. Hi, my name is Kyle McLean. I live in Japan for almost a decade now. Gamer, you know, fashionista. What's up? Hello, I'm Keza McDonald. Um, or, oh, yeah, I'm Keza McDonald, as any of you who have ever seen Greg Miller's terrible impression of me will, will know me. Uh, I am IGN's UK games editor, and I'm here doing Japan stuff. It's been fun. Right, I'm Andrew Alfonso. I'm a hardcore Monster Hunter fan, fighting game fan. Working, I've been working in Japan for the past 10 years uh, at a certain games company, which will not be mentioned right now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's somewhere in Japan. Cool. And so for our first segment of the show, well, should we do the depressing stuff first or the fun stuff? So I, I guess let's we get should the start with the depressing stuff out, out of the way. All right. So uh, much to a lot of folks' surprise, yesterday on the 19th uh, in Japan, um, Hiroshi Yamauchi passed away, the former president of Nintendo. He was the third president uh, in the company's history. Uh, he assumed the position in 1949 and stepped down in 2002. And it was, you know, very surprising for a lot of us, the first day of TGS, to learn that, you know, such a visionary, such an important person in it, from the Japanese and American uh, games industry passed away. Mm. Uh, so I thought, well, first I thought we'd start with a moment of silence, which I'm going to insert now. And then I would like to begin by just remembering the man and kind of explaining to listeners, you know, who he is and why he's such an important part of Nintendo's history. Who would like to start? I mean, I don't... You can't say enough about him. I mean, undeniably, one of the founding fathers of not, not Nintendo, but just, you know, video games as a whole. You know, he was behind Nintendo when they, you know, were pretty much solely responsible for resurrecting the industry in America. And I know I wouldn't be sitting right here, and I wouldn't know any of you guys, and I'd probably have a totally different life back in America if it wasn't for him. You know, I got NES when I was five at Christmas, and immediately I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm going to learn to speak Japanese. I'm going to live in Japan. And, I mean, it can't be overstated just, like, for the industry, but also for Japan as a global soft, like their soft power. Like, Nintendo was really uh, instrumental in, like, you know, now we have, like, you can go to the bookstore and get manga, and you can just buy anime DVDs and streaming, but in the mid-'80s, just, Nintendo was pretty much all you had. Yeah. I mean, and it was, I remember um, getting NES at Christmas when I was five and looking at the machine, and what does Nintendo mean? Yeah. And I asked my mom, I said, what does Nintendo mean? She said, oh, that's a Japanese company. And so, immediately the next day, I started to learn Japanese. So, I mean, just... <laughs> His Nintendo, when he was at the helm, just was instrumental, not only resurrecting the video game industry, but also transforming Japan as this soft power that's known throughout the world to this day. So for those who don't know, um, one of the reasons I invited Kyle to the show, outside of being a huge uh, fan of Nintendo, is that he uh, even found a way to sort of tie it into his learning um, growing up, where outside of learning Japanese and moving to Japan, he also studied business and I wrote a graduate thesis yeah. all about Nintendo's business practices, which I thought was remarkable yeah, I, uh, like, I went for to, someone to yeah, love games that much. I went to, yeah. call, I went to college in Japan, and um, one of the things you have to do to graduate, obviously, like, I don't know, I never went to school in America for college, but like you've got to write like a long, long-ass thesis, like 200 pages long, and I was like, I want to talk about 
tracking the history of Nintendo's business practices over the past hundred years, and yeah. that's what I did. Yeah, I'm right. so, I forget. I couldn't bring it today. It's in Japanese, though. I still wanted to see it. I'm so disappointed. I'm so, so uh, Keza, really quick, uh, what what can you say about Yamauchi-san and sort of his contributions? Yeah, Yamauchi was the president of Nintendo for the whole of my like my own Nintendo worshiping childhood. Like Nintendo wasn't such a huge thing in the '80s in Europe as it was in the States. Um, mostly because like the NES came out so much later, and their personal computer culture was, was huge in the 80s. But in the 90s, when I was growing up, um, Nintendo and Sega were the two kind of battling companies. So for, for me, when I was seven, my first console was a SNES. Started reading Nintendo magazines, and Yamauchi was like this figure, this figurehead for Nintendo, which was the company at that at that time, like you know, was like the center of my gaming life. Yeah. And uh, you know, when, when Yamauchi seemed to really rule that company with an iron fist. But a lot of his philosophies about gaming were very much like it's not about the technology. Uh, you cannot. I think one of the great one of the great quotes from him is, "You cannot ensure interesting or fun games with technology alone." That's right. Along those lines, and uh, his his Nintendo philosophy really did define the whole direction of the company. And uh, you know, it's very in, in Japanese companies, you get this kind of hierarchical thing where the people at the top really do actually define like a lot mm-hmm. of what the company does, which is not necessarily true in, in a lot of Western companies. And Yamauchi's um, impact on Nintendo was like immeasurable. What's the urban legend that like? People say, oh, they chose that particular shade of red for the Famicom because it was a cheaper material to produce. But <laughs> yeah. actually, it came out six months ago. They're like, oh, no, that was a scarf that Yamuchi had, that he liked the color. And so he demanded it be used in the system. Wow, that's amazing. I don't know if you yeah, I always, I always heard that it was actually the cheapest the cheapest yeah. plastic to make. That's why they wanted to do it. So they wanted just to cut, you know, cut down the price yeah. of the, uh, the system. That's why they wouldn't that yeah. color. I never knew about this scarf thing at all, actually. Uh, it was like, Uemura-san in a Famitsu article was talking about, like, looking back, the 30-year anniversary of the release of the Famicom, and he's like... Which was just recent. Which was, I think, back in July, July yeah, yeah. 15th, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And he's like, no, well, there was that price aspect, too, price aspect, too, but Yamuchi really liked this color red because he had this scarf that he wore all the time that was this color. I can see that. Wow. I can almost see that about him. Um, I think the Nintendo's um, Nintendo's console philosophy has always been technology second, games first. Yeah. And that, that's the Yamauchi thing. Well, he, he basically shepherded the company right from being a toy company and a card company into into being you know a video game company. But Single still handed. Kept, absolutely, yeah. 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 And he, but he kept that philosophy of the toy company as well during his yeah. his tenure. I would yeah. Say. And there's so many stories about him, right? Like you hear the story when he assumed power, how he fired yeah. all, he anyone fired who was all appointed his relatives. Yeah, yeah. He, he fired his relatives. He, he fired his, his anyone who was appointed by his grandfather. No one can challenge his authority. He reluctantly took the job. He didn't want to do it at first. How old was um, he? Twenty twenty two. Yeah. Ooh, cold. He was super young. That is cold. He was yeah. he went gray, I think, in like when his mid twenties too. So he looked like that for a while. <laughs> there was yeah. a joke in uh, one of the Nintendo magazines I used to read when I was a kid, N sixty four magazine, that Yamauchi was actually a vampire. That's why I, when I heard he died, I'm like, man, I thought that dude was going to live forever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, like, I was actually surprised that he was actually only 85 because oh, I yeah, thought he, he, I so thought he was a lot older than that. Yeah. When, when when I heard the news, I was, I was thinking, like, he's 85 years old. And I thought, yeah. I thought he was, like, mid-90s, like, yeah, late I thought, 90s. I, I had this impression. That, that was my impression. Sure. He had been out of the public limelight for a long time. Yeah. I think the last time he was publicly photographed, um, he opened up with his this billions. He spent some of it to open a cancer pavilion. I think his wife died of cancer, and he opened up the Yamanuchi Just wing. last year, actually. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, he was looking very frail at the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. 85. 85. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What a legend. The anyway. stories and legends and, and secrets that man took to his grave. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, this was the guy who turned down the partnership with Sony, yeah. right? 
that there was almost a what was it Nintendo PlayStation mm-hmm. Nintendo PlayStation and, yeah. and then just when the Japanese press wanted to talk about PlayStation 4 and the first day of TGS 2003 up oh yeah you turn on the news last night it's all about Yamauchi yes. really it, it, wow. it's, it's, it's almost like it's almost typical of Yamauchi yes. right like you know you know Sony comes in with the PS4 like we're gonna do this all this and all of a sudden nope you're not going to have any of this because it's all about it's all about Nintendo. It's all about us. Now. That's very typical Nintendo. <laughs> it's in that very typical. They, Nintendo, they right? don't participate in TGS, but they always have some kind of thing surrounding it on the periphery. Yeah. Like they, when they announced Monhan Four mm-hmm. uh, before TGS, I think it was 2011. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on Nintendo Direct yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I yes. remember covering it in the morning and being like, "Come on, this is insane." It, it, it's just it's just amazing how they can they can sneak into TGS. They don't even have a physical presence yeah, at TGS, don't. but they just they, they somehow sneak in there and just take all the limelight from pretty much every other all the other competition it's amazing they unveiled the Wii remote at E3 uh, TGS I think it was hey here's this thing guys yeah I think it was a day before TGS actually they did it yeah that was amazing Uh, speaking of TGS briefly while we're here um Nintendo's a very, very significant absence here. Like, I've, I've been to Tokyo Game Show for, this is my sixth year, and every year it's gotten a little bit sadder. Like, every year it's gotten a little bit smaller and a little bit different, and some of the great presences that I grew up with in Japanese video games have either toned down or disappeared completely. Or kind of went to the moified. Yeah, hey guys, yeah, you yeah, like totally, this? Yeah. No. Yeah, for context, what is moified? Well, <clears throat> do we have give, to? Give the short version. Well, give me one kinda... sentence. Hyper, I don't even know if you can say sexualized, but it's like hyper cute. Yeah. Where. Like, kind of hyper, what's the word? Um, de- deferent. Yes. Like, um, kind of super cute, uh, kind of with absolute. kind of no value to what any of them have to say these games like at all it's like it's they're really like quite distressing they all look like they're either 12 to 16 years old and they yeah. all call infantilizing all them... that's the word yes exactly yeah, that's, Very word. Yeah. that's an excellent word yeah and uh, yeah it's, uh, I mean a lot of the Japanese games I grew up with aren't here and that's part of it. it's not that the Japanese games industry is necessarily totally screwed it's that Nintendo isn't here mm-hmm. for instance there's this weird dichotomy though like yet, like you said it's getting smaller and sadder but every year I think last year was There's the highest people. attendance record ever yeah. Yeah. there's more people every year but fewer games like level 5 isn't even here this year no. I noticed and they usually have a giant Gigantic. stand with all the yeah I remember, I remember like 3 years ago 4 years ago level 5 had just this gigantic booth and you had to wait like 5 or 6 hours just to get in Yeah, and they were massive. giving out like you know free demos on DS cards mm-hmm. like if you went in to watch the trailer come out they give you all these demos of the stuff you just watched and like it was amazing like how like the presence level 5 had at that time but now it just seems like they're not, they're not even, like, you know, functioning anymore. They, I they're mean, not I, here. Why are they not here? I don't know. What, what, I, I, what I, I, happened I, to that narrative of Level 5's the new Square Enix? You yeah. know, three or four years ago, mm-hmm. it was like Square's yeah. on the way out, Level 5's, you know, going to take over, and then that just kind of never went anywhere. Yeah, I think, well, I know that they, you know, they worked on uh, Dragon Quest Nine for yeah. Square Enix, and I, that, that, that really got them into the limelight. But then after that, they, you know, they went on, they went on to do their own their own little titles, too. Like, you know, recently they released a Yokai Watch this, this year. Yeah. I think uh, last year they released Nino Kuni, but all of them they, they didn't really have this, the same impact as you know a Dragon Quest would have, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, in the, in the know, PS2 era, they had a bunch of they had really Dragon cool Quest yeah, Rogue, Rogue, Rogue Galaxy yeah. was that Rogue Galaxy, Galaxy, Dark Cloud, Dark Cloud, yeah. Yeah. two. Yeah. Did they do one? Yeah. They did one and two. Okay. Yeah, were, yeah. How well did Nino Kuni perform? Know. It's so weird. You'd think, oh, we got Studio Ghibli do the art. You'd think people would line up around the block, and it just came out. Eh. Yeah. Nobody really cared about it. It did yeah. more, well, better it, than it was expected to in the States and in Europe, but yeah. that's because... It got outsold yeah. on its first... Zero. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, it's perfectly all right. <laughs> it got uh, outsold in its first week in Japan by Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. 
Wow. Yep. Yeah. I, well, I remember. Times I, are changing. I do they? know the 3DS version was not like it. I don't think it really had that much of a impact because they had like this gigantic book where you actually had to like you know look up the spells you want to use and then draw them on the on the DS on the touchscreen. Yeah. And you know basically if you don't have that book then you can't actually play the game because unless you memorize all the spells that you need to know, right? Sure. So you know I love the idea of that. It, it, I did love the, the idea. idea of that. The, the yeah. idea is great, but the fact that you have to carry this gigantic book with you just to play the game, I think it probably just turned a lot of people off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that the PS3 version came out a couple months after that. So mm-hmm. I think that you know the first the, uh, when the when the 3DS version kind of you know bombed and then the PS3 version came out, everyone was like, "Yeah, well." I thought it was like know. a year between the two. Yeah, yeah maybe it was some a year. Time. Maybe yeah. a long. Yeah. I know it was, it was a, a December. Uh, I know. I want to say. But like then again, it took longer to come to the states. Yeah. So I know. I, to me, it feels like forever. It does. From like, I think I started at one of, uh, and that was like late 2010, and we had just gotten Nino Kun. But maybe I'm wrong. Did you ever see anybody on the train like holding the book on like <laughs> no. me? And I did every now and then. No, I really? I've yeah. never, oh, I, I actually never met anyone who's actually played the 3DS version. The DS right here. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you. There you go. Another, another, another smaller presence this year. Uh, Capcom last year yeah. because Monster Hunter 4 had just been announced. Yeah. Um, where like it was the most giant booth. Like every single year, there's this huge Monster Hunter booth, and there's no new Monster Hunter this year apart from the or, iPhone one. Yeah, so there's the no, iPhone no, one. no giant booth. There's a big Rathian head uh, sticking out near that area of the booth, which looks kind of cool. It's yeah. on my Twitter feed. It's if not you like the seen giant it. Monster Hunter Portable Third Village that they built a few years ago. I that wish I did. Do you have pictures of that? Yeah, I would love yeah, to it was see great. that. Yeah. Got pictures of me doing this next to felines a lot. Oh, I was doing a double thumbs up there for the for the yeah. audio there. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess since we've reached that point. One of the the things that I really wanted to talk about, especially on this episode, and especially because we're in Japan, and um, maybe this is kind of I don't know how this close uh, closely you are associated with this series, Cal, but it is Monster Hunter, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it is like you know when did you play it? What did you enjoy about it? And then talk about Monster Hunter Four, which I've been playing. I know Andrew's been playing. I know Keza wants to play and will be playing soon. <laughs> I do live in Japan, so I yeah. get a lot of it through osmosis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you, and that you you um, got sort of a huge love. For what I know of you, you got a huge love for Dragon Quest because of osmosis and because of wanting to study why people yeah. loved it. So you need to do the same thing for I, this. Sir. But I've tried though. I mean, I think every I came. I moved to Japan the day um, the first PS2 game came out. Okay. And I remember going to that Staya in Hachiko, which, like, you know, you've seen the movies, like that giant crosswalk. There's a million people crossing. There's a big, like, CD and game store there. I remember walking in the day after I moved to Japan and, like, what is this? This is crazy. Yeah. But I bought that one too, Freedom Unite. Yeah. Try three, and I get about two hours in. Like, uh, I'm like, this is the time. This is going to happen this time. I'm going to do it. You can play with me over the internet this time. How cool would that be? Mm, maybe. That well, I'm all about that link costume I was looking now. For. Yeah, okay. I want to get check out that link costume. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be the thing. That, that, that was actually a pretty big, pretty big win. I mean, it's like once they had that trailer of you know the Mario cats. And yeah, oh, that's really awesome. People like cats rock. Yeah, got all the Ivy Village spin-off PSP games as well. Yeah, the puzzle games. No, um, so so really quickly, just go around, what's your first hunt, or what's your first Monster Hunter that you played? For myself, it was that I beta-tested the original Monster Hunter on PS2 in the States. Um, Sony used to have a beta-test program. You just click the box on their you know, Sony website, and you could be a part of it if you had a profile. And I got it in the mail and played it, and was like, this is weird, but I kind of enjoy what it's about, right? Even so many things of that series that are still in place today were there, like uh, so cooking the meat and like the song that plays when, and the, you know, what, what is said when you lift the meat into the air. 
And at the time, I didn't understand it. I got into it much later and then gained a real big appreciation for it. But that was my first hunt. It was on the PS2, on a beta version, trying it out over uh, PlayStation 2's network, broadband network. Like I said, I bought pretty much most of them outside of, like, Frontier. Uh, I bought pretty much most of them. I ride the, the wave when it... Because in, in Japan, it's pretty much inescapable. It's everywhere. Every train station you go into, there's giant posters. There's commercials everywhere. You go in the convenience store, they've got, like, tie-ins of Monster Hunter everywhere. So it's pretty much inescapable. And I just kind of I succumbed to it. Like, all right, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to do it. And I can't get about past two hours. Like, that grind just zaps all my energy and yeah. I remember when I graduated from college the day of my graduation was the day that what's the two 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 G not two G what's the second one portable second second G second G, second G. Yeah. and I remember going between my cer- graduation ceremony to before the after party we had an hour to kill I remember getting a cab and going across town to go buy that and like oh this is going to be so much fun and just never really got into <laughs> have you not got loads of Japanese friends who play it who kind of Everyone shepherd you through it. yeah because like, that's, that's the main thing you have to be shepherded through the first yeah. like six to eight hours of that game that's actually that's actually how I got uh, introduced to the series too I, I actually started playing with uh, Portal Second so I never actually played the PS2 games okay. I was always on the PS, always on the PSP and like I just got a PSP and I didn't know what games to buy. Mm-hmm. And so a bunch of my friends were playing Portable Second. So they said, well, why don't you just come play with us? And I said, oh, okay, sure. And I had no idea what I, what I was doing at first. And it was, it was it was strange because they were kind of like, they were like my my sensei, right? They're my teacher. Like, <laughs> and they're like, okay, when, you know, when, when, this, when, this, when this monster does this little animation, that means this is coming. So that means you got to roll and invade everything. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Said, and they said, when you see this message pop on the screen, that means you got to use this item. I said, oh, okay. And I, I just, they just kept feeding me and feeding me all this information. I just learned, just like listening from, the, listening to them and going, like you know, actually playing with them. It's that punch out mentality. When the monster's eyebrows move, you got to. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like it's like a 3D punch out sometimes. You know, like you, you just have to watch, like you know, what monsters do. You just got to pay attention to what's going on the screen. Yeah. What, what I don't get is how a lot of people who like Dark Souls and Demon Souls mm-hmm. which you know has been a bit of a breakout hit that's right don't they're like oh, Monster Hunter looks and it's like it's the same it's basically the same like, it's, very, it's very different structurally but like the sure. combat of it like the, the philosophy of you've got to just pay attention to the mm-hmm. keys and kind of you know yeah. read the monsters and learn I don't know about you but one of the big aspects I take away through once again osmosis is that Japanese people really enjoy the um, uh, cooperative takedown yeah. the monster aspect to it oh my god we're it's in so J- fun we're, we're, so in Japan fun. I know if you ever, people who've never been here before it cannot be overstated it's just so overbuilt so crowded and going over to a friend's house to play games really doesn't happen all exactly, that much. Yeah. There's not room. And you can't yeah, say yeah. all sit on the couch together. Like, it's not possible. Yeah, and so the last generation of handhelds was revolutionized gaming in that you could now play multiplayer wirelessly at, like, McDonald's or mm. in the park or at Starbucks. And you'd see, you still see it. You'll walk in to McDonald's or whatever, you see, like, ten high school kids, like, all giving each other orders. And so that cooperative aspect, whereas, like, Demon Souls is more like... It does have a multiplayer aspect to it, but it's yeah. more... It's more... It's, it's almost passive. Low, more singular, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, it's a more, more solitary experience, I feel. It, it's, it's, a lot is made of the Japanese being against um, kind of like... They're not into FPS's game. Well, that's kind of changing, but something like Monhan, where it's a cooperative, it's not confrontation with your friends, it's working together, yeah. really speaks to the Japanese audiences. That's why I think it really took off. Uh, the, my favorite thing I ever saw while I was living here was walking into a cat cafe, and <laughs> just four really cute Japanese boys sitting there playing Monster Hunter 
the corner with cats like curiously looking at the screen. Was it an idol cafe? <laughs> what is a cat cafe? <laughs> What's the thing? Cat contact. Oh, good, a cat cafe yeah. is like I love this. They're, they're basically just places where you go to get a coffee or a drink, but they're full of cats. They just roam free. And they're like the yeah. most pampered cats in the history of time. Like they're beautifully, beautifully <laughs> like you know their, their fur is all gorgeous and fluffy. They're, they're, they're the most looked after cats. They get food wow. all the time. They just get adored all day. They just kind of lie there like yeah. And if you have treats, then suddenly they all love you. Oh. If, if you don't have treats, they don't tend to care very much. But you kind of you know, walk up and stroke a cat for a bit. It's like, I don't care about you. Walks off. But it's just a lovely place to <laughs> hang out. cafes. There's dog cafes. Yeah, dog actually, cafes are it, a bit weird. They have to put nappies on the dogs. Don't yeah. like that. We actually have it, a, uh, an owl cafe in Osaka now. No, no so you way. Actually, you actually just sit down and have your coffee, and there's like a little, just an owl just sitting on no its perch. No way. And then you can you know, touch you, it? Like, yeah, yeah, same? of course you can. You can okay, I'm canceling my flight home. I'm going to Osaka. The owners will actually give you, like, you know, the the arm thing, right? So that owl can, like, actually. Like grab onto you, and you could just like Owl hold her cafe. around. This do, do they warn the you? Like, do not, <laughs> do not extend your forearm in the cafe, or this thing might claw you. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they give you all these warnings. Like, you're not, you don't do this. Don't like, don't make you know any fast, you know, quick motions towards the owl because they'll, they'll freak out. Oh my god, this, this is, is the best thing I've ever. But, heard. but you can, you can like, you know, have the owl on your arm. You can start petting, and it'll just sleep. you'll just sit there and you know, accept you know your love and all that stuff. I, I, mean, so I just want to point out, Keza might not go back home because no, she is she's giddy right now. It's amazing. I IGN yeah. article. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, Keza, just quickly, because I didn't hear, what was your first hunt? Uh, what was your first monster hunt? I played all of them, but okay. the one that I really that I really got was uh, Monster Hunter 2nd G, so okay. Freedom Unite. So Monster Hunter 2, the, the fancy version mm-hmm. on, on, on the PSP. And um, the reason I understood it is because I had a friend who worked at Capcom at the time who was like, no, you are playing this. You're playing this with me. We're playing it. You're going to play it. Take it. And then I got the flu. So I was, I was so ill I couldn't actually get out of my bed. So this game was the only thing I had. So I was kind of sitting there playing this video game really, really sick. And because of that, because I couldn't go anywhere and couldn't do anything else, I got past the kind of six, eight hour grind oh, wow. that had always kind of turned me off it before. Yeah. And so I got there and I remember um, <laughs> the Yang Kuk Koo who is oh, a total, yes. total jerk. I cannot stand the Yankuku. It's like a bird monster. And this was my, my, my first monster hunter, so I didn't really get that you can't use like a great sword on that thing. Like You have to use something faster. And, uh, you know, I spent hours and hours and hours and hours trying to kill it. And eventually I kind of, I managed, you know, with, with like the last kind of dregs of stamina that I had left on tiny health with like three seconds left on the clock, I like stabbed it right through the, right through the, uh, the, the throat and it, it kind of, the music went up and it started to kind of throw. And you and hear that like, click sound and you just throw your hands into yeah. the air and you I, are I did, so excited. I leaped from my bed and went, to nobody at all. And I was like, okay, this has got me now. And ever yeah. since then I've loved Monster Hunter. Like my, the one I spent the most time with was try right. on the Wii, on the Wii yeah. yeah and then I played 3 Ultimate for about 200 hours and then lost my save oh, that's, which that's, oh, I man. prefer not that's to talk cool. about Tragic. oh my god <laughs> I reviewed it um, I reviewed it for IGN 3 that's Ultimate right. and then, good uh, review too thanks man but I, I yeah I lost my save after that like I basically I had it on a different SD card and I just mm-hmm. I just moved house and lost it and I was so I've, I've been kind of trying not to think about Monster Hunter too much recently uh, no. kind of let's raw. talk about Monster Hunter let's talk really? about Monster Hunter yeah. 4 I'm not actually let's, last let's... time I played Monster Hunter 4 was last TGS like I've queued up for 50 minutes to, to play it and um, the thing that immediately got me about that apart from it being a Nintendo exclusive which made me think wow that's interesting like what happened with the, what happened with the Sony relationship yeah, yeah. that's interesting yeah. and um, the big move yeah it was it was huge and the uh, the new pole weapon 
is amazing. It was really cool. And I only played with it for 10 minutes, but um, you can now vault onto the backs of monsters. And apparently, yeah. like, when you're online now, that's all anyone's That's all everyone do. does, because it's, it's a new weapon. It's the weapon that everyone actually wants to try for the first time. So as soon as they see a monster, everyone's just pole vaulting. And you see four oh, hunters wow. just go <laughs> in the air. And, you know, I, I'm actually, I'm actually <laughs> not using... Around. I'm actually not using that weapon. I'm using the other new weapon, which is a charge axe. It's a, yeah. it's a little bit more... It has more power to it. It has a shield, so it's a little bit more, you know, suited to my play style. That was one of the more hyped up weapons building up to the release of the yeah, game. Yeah, it yeah. was. Is it yeah. the switch axe? Is it the same as no, the switch axe? it's not the switch axe. The, uh, How does it compare to a great sword like the, the charge axe? It's a, it's a very different because uh, with the uh, with the great sword, it's, it's a very slow weapon and you mm-hmm. can do a lot of charge attacks and whatnot. Yep. Uh, and you can also block the sword. But with the charge axe, it's actually a sword and shield, um, like the basic sword and shield you can when you first start the game. But the shield's a little bit bigger, the sword's a little bit bigger, so that means you move a little bit slower, but you do more damage. And then as as you keep attacking the monster, you get these uh, little files that build up power. And then when it starts to glow yellow or red, you press a button combination, and then it fills the shield with uh, all this power. So then when you switch to axe mode, you have all this power just inside, stored up, stored yeah, up yeah. into the axe, and you just kind of go crazy with it, and it just does all these sorts of... all. All sorts of damage to the to the monster. Like each uh, each weapon, each charge axe has a different like um, different file type. So one will do like explosive damage. One will like increase the elemental damage you do to a monster. So you'll just see like you know like lightning and like fire just exploding from the axe whenever you hit whenever you hit a monster. It's a really cool visual. Effect. Okay, I need to I need to try that one out. I've yeah, been it's, playing, it's, a, uh, it's a really cool weapon. It's also I think it's also probably. In my opinion, it's one of the most powerful weapons in the game now. Okay. Because you can pretty much do everything in um, with that weapon. Um, like probably like Kazan, you you know like uh, certain weapons you can only like cut tails and like you know yeah, a hammer. Yeah, you can yeah, only yeah, like slash right. damage. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, and you know blunt with, damage or yeah, exactly. Damage, and with the hammer, like you with the hammer, you can't cut tails because it's a blunt weapon. So, you, but you can knock out monsters. Yeah. Or you with, can crack certain areas. Yeah, you can crack. You can you crack. Got, you got you got to have balls to, to go for the hammer approach yeah. though, monster hunter. I never yeah. quite got good enough with the hammer just because I was so intimidated by being right up in the thing's face all the time. Yeah. I was yeah. a gun lancer. I enjoyed having the shield. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, it, it's, it's it's like you had these two different kind of weapons, but. The charge axe can actually do both. It actually can oh, cut. Man, it can sever something. limbs, but it can also <laughs> it can also knock out like you know monsters at the same time. Yeah. So it actually does pretty much everything that every other weapon does. Is it the new super pro weapon then? I don't Is it the new I, one I, that everyone I, in Game Packs is like? No, yeah, if you didn't use I, it, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not. I don't know because it, it also has its downsides. Because um, like what I'm what I'm finding right now is that it's a it's a it's a great weapon, but also it's uh it plays a lot of havoc if you're playing if you're online with other people because the axe motions it, oh, like it's a huge hitbox. Yeah, the the hunter kind of like swings the axe in a circular motion. So if it hits other hunters, they just kind of stumble and they yeah. get knocked out of their attack and cause problems. Attack animations, yeah. right? So you're not going to get the full damage. So you got to be really careful when you use it. Mm-hmm. Unless you're with three bow gunners, and who wants to be with three bow gunners? No, yeah, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yeah, no one wants to be. Even, even though it, it is a powerful weapon, it does have its downside. So it's not going to be like too overpowered. And mm-hmm. I feel the same. Like that's how pretty much every weapon in the game is. It has. Mm-hmm. They have their upsides, but they also have their downsides. You got to be careful with, like especially when you're playing online. There's always been a huge like fight over whether it's the hunting horn or the hammer that's like the super pro weapon. I, w- between I would those, say between those two little factions. I would say I would say probably the the hunting horn is probably the uh, the the. The pro weapon. It's like I don't know. Like whenever I whenever I have the uh, whenever I have a, a hammer user in my in my lobby, I, th- I think okay, 
we're gonna we're gonna do some uh, we're gonna do some damage to this to this monster. But when a hunting horn player shows up, everyone's just like, oh, this is gonna be amazing because uh, you know the hunting horn is basically a weapon where you can do a lot of damage to a monster, but its its other function is that it boosts it basically buffs the other hunters in the lobby in the, on the quest. So you can get like attack up or defense up, or you get all these little bonuses. So if you're playing with someone who's like primarily a hunting horn user, mm-hmm. you get all you get all these buffs and you just do so much damage to the monster. Like things can like a, a quest can be over in like two or three minutes just with just with that guy there, and it, it's just it's such an amazing thing to see. Like this one guy, he's just like rocking a guitar in the background. <laughs> buffing, buffing everyone while the, the other yeah. three guys are just like I prefer go wailing on the bagpipe. There is a there is a bagpipe. Yeah, there's a bagpipe. Horn. Hunting horn. Yeah. Ah. So yeah. you know, smack a monster in the face and then blast it with the song of my people. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. So if you had to, I, for people who are interested in Monster Hunter, if you had to sum it up in one sentence, how would you? I, I would describe it as a collection of the best boss battles you will ever play in a video game. Like it, it top to bottom. When you reach that point, there is nothing more satisfying than fighting these things sometimes at length for like half an hour and then when that thing falls down you just throw your hands in the air and it's amazing like that is how I try to sell this to people I tell them this is the best boss fights you will see in the game what, what do you guys think how would you describe it to folks even the lukewarm like I've tried to get into each one it's a game like, in which you collect mushrooms for hours <laughs> uh, <laughs> not to put you on the spot Kyle. It's, it's got cute pigs in it it has great pigs and great, great cats Pookie is cats. cuter than I do yeah, definitely. It weirds me out, kind of. I would, the thing I like most about Monster Hunter, apart from what Jose's just said, yeah. to avoid repeating exactly what Jose just said, yeah. is the fact that it's got such an amazing sense of humor. Like, it's the most camp, silly, but somehow quite believable, adorable little world with, you know, talking cats that cook kebabs mm-hmm. and uh, little little pigs that run around in, like, melon onesies and uh, more, <laughs> more cats that like farm and uh, you know it's, it's, it's the most ridiculous world yeah, and every, everyone wears um, for some reason jock straps like that's like the, the, the uniform of the Monster Hunter village is just yeah. everybody walking around in loincloths mm. essentially which is a... really amusing There's, it's, it's, you can do the silliest emotes ridiculous I like the prance, the prance yeah. is, we, we kill a monster so star prancing it's got such a great sense of humor so as well as it being this like fantastic video game that you know mm-hmm. gives you a real, real sense of achievement it's also just really Really silly and fun, yeah. and it has that kind of lightheartedness and like esprit yeah. that I really enjoy. There's a there's a feline that rides through in the new town that you see him riding on the back of. What's what's that duck creature? It looks sort of like a duck with a bill. Oh, the and, Yeah, it's riding on the back <laughs> and it's just tossing a hand in the air with each bump. Like yeah, and I'm like this is just amazing. That totally fits uh, your description. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I would say like. Aside from what you guys said, like I, I think the game, ha- the series overall, just has amazing art direction. Mm. The, the, yes. the monster designs the are just incredible. Are just the design of the monsters is like totally amazing, especially some of the new ones that they have uh, for Monster Hunter Four. The other thing that I, I really think is, you know, when you when I start talking mon- about Monster Hunter, is that you know a lot of games they they have all these you know little gameplay mechanics to, to make you feel awesome that you're you know you're a total badass, but. The one thing about Monster Drive feels like it actually makes you a badass. It makes you awesome yeah. as a player. It doesn't. It doesn't like pretend. It does. Yeah. It doesn't pretend it doesn't that. Condescend yeah, to it's you. It's not gonna. It's not gonna tell you you're awesome. It's gonna make you like an awesome game player, right? Yeah. So when you when you go back to other games, you just kind of like, well, this isn't. This isn't nearly as challenging or as difficult as Monster Drive, and no. you actually feel like you. You feel like wow, you've actually 
you know leveled up to a, a different different type of like you know yeah. gamer, right? Mm-hmm. And even and it's, it's also not <laughs> even the difficulty is it's not even so much that it's really hard. It's that uh, the way that it teaches you is really cool, and mm-hmm. it, it relies, um, as you were saying earlier, it relies a lot on co-op and on mm-hmm. teaching each other and on facilitating yeah. communication between people. Yeah. And I love I love that aspect of it because it's not like oh we're a really hardcore game. Yeah, we're hardcore. And people's mums play Monster Hunter. Their, their, yeah. their, their, their little brothers play Monster Hunter. Like everybody plays Monster Hunter together, yeah. and it's because you can work as a team and everybody can yeah. can kind of teach each other. Yeah. And that's why, even though it's it's actually a really hard game, yeah. despite that, everybody can play it. It's really inclusive. Yeah. yeah. And to Andrew's point, I feel that the arc direction does get better with each game, and I find it really hard to go back to the last game after I've played mm-hmm. the more recent iteration. Like once I played uh, Tri G, uh, the import one, I could not go back to Freedom Unite. Once now that I've started four, I'm having a really hard time going back to three ultimate because I feel like this looks so much better. Even on the Wii U when it's in 1080p? Uh, the textures aren't great on the yeah. I always felt the problem with the Wii U version is that it's, it's good but it's not as great as an, like an actual like yeah. made from the ground up HD yeah. be, so it's like it's just a slightly better version of the I spent way more time on that portable iteration than I did the Wii U version. I did play it but um, and it's, it's interesting too because that one has the online stuff. Alright so we're gonna Keza's gonna be heading off so I just yeah. want to give her a quick uh, moment to drop your Twitter handle. Gonna go see, gonna and, uh, go see a, uh, gonna go see a game made okay. by some people in a hotel. Cool. Is this my want? Behind closed doors. Indeed. Yeah. My Twitter handle is cool. Kazim O'Donnell very imaginatively. Okay. But and, I will uh, see you guys shortly. What's something you're working on that uh, listeners can should look forward to? Nintendo wise? Any uh anything. That's okay. Just wrote about deep down yesterday, which is uh, Capcom's PS4 exclusive dungeon crawler. Don't know what to make of it, but it looks really interesting. Right. So so that's something. And uh, hopefully I'll be spending a lot of time with Pokemon in the near future. Yeah. yeah. That's a I cannot wait. Alright, well thanks. back we're, we're one woman down but three strong and I've sort of let's uh, talk a little bit more about four right I, I just okay. started um, I, I don't know if we spent a whole lot of time on it to be fair I, I know we talked about some of the weapons but one of the things about uh, Monster Hunter 4 that sort of got my attention uh, especially is just how mobile these characters are right now right mm-hmm. but it almost feels like a it's not quite as as free as like parkour, but you are like able to jump over and move over obstacles that are in your path. If you're running from a monster, like you have so much more versatility now and agility versus any of the other games that, I've played. That's how they initially unveiled the game at that one Nintendo Direct when yeah. they said, "Oh, by the way, we're going to formally announce uh, Tri G, and oh, by the way, here's this secret video of a new game we're making." And it at the end of the, the video, it said Monster Hunter Four, and people were like, "Oh my God!" But that whole video was just like running and climbing and jumping yeah. and evading. That's how they sold it from the very beginning as a more agile game. Yeah, and, and, and then it came out. By the way, this is entirely how it's going to play, and everyone just said, <laughs> like, minds exploded because they were so surprised because usually Monster Hunter is more about boots on the ground, the monster's in your face, you take it down. That's yeah, all that there's it, a lot more been. verticality to the combat now because you can have, like, basically a monster, like, you know, up on a cliff, and then you're fighting another monster on the bottom. 
with this monster, we'll start attacking you, even though, like, you're on totally different levels. It doesn't care. Like, you know, if you're fighting a Rathian, you know, the big green dragon, it's on the cliff. It's going to start shooting fireballs at you, even though, like, you know, you're just some, totally somewhere else. It's, yeah. it's, it adds a whole new dimension to, like, the combat. Like, you have to be a lot more careful. Like, there's no, there's no safe place in the zone now. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you have so, to be you have to be super super attentive to what's happening on the screen. Yeah. As Kojin would say, no place to hide. No place to hide. <laughs> no. It's actually it reminds me like when I, when I first started playing Monster Four, it reminded me of um, the first dungeon in Dark Souls, where you're you're in the asylum mm-hmm. and then you 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 know you you see the demon right below you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, okay, okay, I'm gonna take my time. I'll see what I can do. And then all of a sudden, he just jumps up and just destroys the platform. Yeah. And then you yeah. come tumbling down. You lose half your life. You're like, oh my god, what am yeah. I gonna do now? Yeah. And that's actually just how mo- how Monster Four is right now. Mm-hmm. Like you, you'll be on the ledge. You're like, okay, I'm safe here. And I was like, no, you're not, because the monster is going to jump right at you. It's going to climb up the wall, and it's going to swipe at you. And it's just like a really exhilarating like feeling when you when you can see that like in motion. Yeah, I uh, I really like that with uh, with these new with this new sort of agility and ability that when you climb, you're also not sort of restrained from what you can do. You can still consume a health item. You can still use a weapon to attack something that's next to you. You can jump off of that surface onto a monster. Although when you jump off, you jump off pretty far, so you have to be very aware of where it is in relation to you. Um, and I also, I'm kind of surprised I like that you can't just jump whenever you want. Like, as far as, you don't have the ability to just run towards something and just jump right at it. Like, you have to use a ledge as sort of a, a mount to then fly off and then pull your weapon out and take a swing at something. Mm-hmm. Or you can jump on the monster itself, which is also really cool, right? I mean, that's another, you, you have this sort of ride em cowboy moment. Shadow of the like, Colossus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. yeah you actually have, like, it, you know, whenever you climb on a monster, they show this, like, little stamina gauge. Yeah. Like, the monster's head just chomping at the chomping at the gate and you just keep, gotta keep on stabbing it until you knock it down or the monster just chomps the entire stamina gauge and then he just knocks you off and then he gets he's all pissed off and then you know just starts attacking you again so like certain monsters do you have to climb on them to take them down or are you given that option uh, no there's actually you can pretty much climb on any monster but you don't have to it's a way to actually knock down the monster so that um, everyone can get in you know their their hits to get get a lot more damage on the monster um and it's it's one of those things where it, it actually doesn't happen all the time like you can jump into the air and tackle monster but it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to mount it and climb on it you it i think it's like something like uh you know if you get it on a counter hit or if you get it when it's gonna it takes a certain amount of damage and then you hit it in the air that's when it happens um but some of the monsters they actually they have like you know um i guess like hard shells or hard scales on their back so if you're able to knock it down then you're you're able to like you know destroy those parts and then you can get like materials for like your, your weapons and your armor and stuff like that but there's nothing that you know where you have to do it to to beat the monster i'm gonna completely like change the subject here and ask you two guys a question so in japan I'm, you, you you've got to know um, yeah when they like talk about Monster Hunter, when it's promoted, they use a lot of celebrities and commercials and like the ads and the posters, and they always say how many hours they played it. So you know, hey, here's this big pop star you guys all love. She's played this game for three thousand hours. How how long many hours have you guys sunk into the? Ooh, maybe okay, that's hard. the game you spunk the most time into. How many hours? In Monster? Uh, 
So because of my job, and some folks are going to be very disappointed by this answer, and I'm sorry, listener, person, because uh, because of my job and uh, always having to cover different grains, I definitely don't get to spend as much time with Monster, as I, Monster Hunter as I would like. Um, that's it. Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate. I spent uh, about 120 hours total. No, 111, 120, somewhere in between there. And um, that was that's a significant amount of time. That's why like when Keza told me she spent 200 and lost the save, I was just like, yeah. I am so sorry. <laughs> like, that is really hard. Um, yeah, and, I, and that's the one that I sunk into most recently the most and enjoyed, like, so much about it. Yeah. What about you? What's the, what's the one you the, most time? Well, I know for, for three ultimate, I spent about, uh, I think it was like 240-something hours on okay. that. Uh-huh. But, um, so I'm a that, lightweight compared to you. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But, I mean, for, for actually, uh, for three ultimate and also for portable, I put between uh, 250 and 300 hours. The one that I spent the most time on was actually uh, portable second G. And that was the first game that I, I got into uh, because of my friends. And we played so much because they they were, like, real, super good Monster Hunter players. And they wanted to do just the the most inane things in a quest. Like, they, they said, okay, well, we're going to beat this quest with no armor and just these weapons, kind of thing. Or we're going to beat this monster with just the bombs and that's it. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, sure, why not? Let's, let's do it. So I spent maybe, I think, like... 1,200, 1,300 hours on wow. horrible second G. So it still ticks over after the third, third nine. You go yeah, to another yeah. column. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, 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 uh, it's, it was insane. Like, like I just got, just, I just got totally addicted to horrible second G because there's just, it's just a legitimately hard game compared to, uh, compared to some of the, some of the uh, more recent ones. Uh, the more recent ones that they. Um, do a little, do little things to make it a little bit easier on you. But portable second is just like uncompromising. Here yeah, it is. it is just uncompromising at times. <laughs> and but there's just so much stuff that you can actually do in in all the Monster Hunter games. But I was just with a bunch of people that just want to do just really crazy stuff, like mm-hmm. see if they can actually do it. Sure. Kyle, what's the most you've spent with Monster Hunter? Uh, two or three hours. <laughs> all right, that's been the cutoff. Yeah, month most I spent is probably a couple hundred dollars. I buy them all. And it's like two hours late. Like, wow. But yeah, talking this, I'm probably another sixty dollars because it's a podcast now. Talking yeah. to you guys, it's like maybe we I'll should try play it while again. I'm in town, dude. Yeah, see now, now you have now you got Monster Hunter Four, but now it's online, so yeah. you can actually start playing with a lot of people who like are super into Monster Hunter. You can yeah. you know maybe get on you know Skype or something like that and just start sure. chatting with with other people yep. while you're playing. You yep, know? definitely. So uh, I guess I have a question for both of you because um, it's always said how big Monster Hunter is here. But like, give, okay, give me the biggest example. Like, how big really? Like, what's the thing you well, saw that you were like, wow, I can't believe X. I thought I heard somewhere that there's like a medically diagnosed hand condition now for the claw. Yeah, <laughs> in Japanese it's called Monhan Mochi. Monhan being short for Monster Hunter. Mochi is like. Like how you hold something and like people would thumb on the, the slide pad index finger on the D-pad and then your middle finger on the left trigger and like apparently I heard that people were going to the hospital like muscle cramps and things like that it was like a diagnosed thing um, it's just I can't really think of one specific instance it's just totally pervasive in Japanese culture it is everywhere it, it's got an aspect in everything you really can't it's hard to like go about your daily life without running into it in some capacity, whether at the convenience store, on TV, or on a poster. Yeah. 
there, there was actually like there's a USJ attraction every time a new Monster Hunter shows up. So they have like Monster Hunter the real, and I think they, they have one life size, life size monsters in Universal Studios Japan. So you can actually like take your picture with like the the gold uh, Rathian or the silver Rathalos, and it's just like gig- it's just huge, and they have like. They have all the they have all the treats, all the souvenirs and stuff like that, like cookies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, I think this year they had a um, a Monster Hunter like onsen tour, like a hot springs oh, tour, wow. and it was like somewhere north of Tokyo. So you take the bus, you take the tour bus up there, and everything would be like Monster Hunter themed yeah. and like yeah. in, a, in a hot spring. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a, kind of a interesting. interesting yeah. Try was more heavily Asian themed. I know the portable Three. third. Portable third was portable eight. third was the portable one. Portable third. Yeah. It was more. And by the way, he walks by in four. The the, the cover star oh, of uh, yeah. the gentleman who's in sort of the yeah, yeah, yeah. hat and the samurai sword. On yeah. The back. Well, actually, yeah. That, he walks by in four. That's, that's one of the cool things about Monster Before that I, that I I noticed and I really actually like about it is that they 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 have a little bit of more involved story. Yeah, so actually, that's one of the one things I like about Monster Hunter Four is that in, it ends woven into the story too, where you start off in this um, this the first village, but you, you know you see the, the hunter from Portable Third there, but there's also this uh, new NPC character that you can interact with, and he's called the um, I guess if you want to translate in English, he'd be like the Wyvern like uh, trader or something, but he basically facilitates trades between like various cities. Cities that you actually don't visit yourself, you don't visit in the game, but he has uh, he has connections with. So you actually can get stuff from like Moga Village from Try or the uh, the city from Monster Two. I can't remember the name right wow, now. Wow, that's so, great. And some of the some of the equipment in in um, in Monster Hunter Four is actually based on the uh, older monsters that don't appear in the game, but you be, but because there's this like little trade trader in the game, he can actually supply you those. Material, so you can actually still make the armor. See, that's really cool. It's not just about the new stuff, but even yeah. a, a sort of a nod back to when it began, now, when it started. Similar topic, you know, as a relative Monhan noob here, is there any kind of carryover, like if it detects a save file, like oh, you unlock this or anything like that? Uh, no, I know that there didn't seem to be any um, anything like you know, if you had like a three ultimate save, there was no bonus for that if you started up four. Not that I saw, anyways. Okay. So, but I think they they do that for like when you go from the base game to like the G versions, but they don't really do that like if you're going okay. from like the, the numbered numbered series. Yeah. You know. Well, that was a whole lot of Monster Hunter for folks, um, and hopefully you're still here and still listening, and uh, you would be willing to uh, to sort of check this out someday. Do we think it's coming out in the West? That question has been asked, and it's usually a, a sort of a one year wait. Uh, someone anyway, or at least historically, that's what it's been. Who knows if it's less? Um, I'm sure, you know, good friends I have, uh, you know, will definitely, you know, at Capcom maybe say something, but it's really up to them, you know, it's, and ultimately they will, I hope. Um, so, yeah, if, if, you, if you're still curious, I'm sure you can still check out Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate with no basis for comparison. Uh, Brian and I may start that video series we've been joking about for a while about uh, Help Me, I'm Terrible at Monster Hunter, <laughs> to, uh, to try and help folks through maybe those, that first 10 hours. Uh, we'll do some commentaries. And, and thank you, both of you, by the way, just oh, no for joining problem. us. And, thank you. And actually, I was going to say, add to, to add to that, like, you know, if people want to check out Monster Hunter, yeah. I actually just read online that they're actually... Uh, they actually slash the price of Monster 3 Ultimate, the digital version, by half, by 50%. In the States? In the States. Oh, yeah. wow, wow. So now I think it's like 30 bucks for the Wii U version and 20 bucks for the 3DS oh, version. Wow. I think it's something like that. Wow. I just saw that like on like on uh, Facebook. Like, 
Okay. Literally last night. So there you have it. Now you have another reason uh, if you're still on the fence. You can also get it a little cheaper. So why don't you drop your Twitter handles, tell people where to find you on the internet. Okay, uh, my Twitter my Twitter handles are actually, uh, it's a Japanese uh, word, but it's a more basho. What does that um, mean? Uh, you, I actually got it from. It's kind of funny because I actually saw that word in uh, Kingdom Hearts two, and I okay. and I needed I needed a real in English or Japan in Japan the Japanese uh, version. I, and I re- I needed a nickname really fast, so I just said, oh I'm gonna take that name. And it just in Kingdom Hearts two they translated that as the usual place yeah, that's, because that's what I you know that's where I usually am. I just usually at the place where I just chill out all the time. I never go to any any other new places. So okay. yeah, nice. What's up on Twitter? I'm at Farm Boy in Japan. Right. And I basically talk about video games living in Japan and a lot of fashion tweets. Look. Oh, you oh. got the awesome dark Triforce cufflinks. Now, are are just, they or are these no, are silver not. Triforce? These are silver Triforce oh, cufflinks on okay. today. Right, so I, had my, awesome I had my uh, mushroom cufflinks on yesterday when I found out that Yamuchi died. Uh, oh, wow. It's like a little, uh, little, little tribute yeah, to yeah, the man. Sure. And I am at Jose underscore Otero on Twitter. And uh, you can look forward to more TGS show, uh, Tokyo Game Show coverage, along with uh, hopefully some cool stuff that's happening next week. I can't really say what it is yet, but you'll be hearing about it most likely. So thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week, back in the States. Thank you both for joining us again. Thank you. Thank you.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.